Dave Maxey here with the HomeMusicStudio1.com podcast, and today I want to talk to you about lead backing and vocal separation. All right, welcome back to uh, officially episode number nine. Uh, we are just trucking away at, uh, at putting these podcasts out. Hope you guys are getting a lot from them. And uh, Dave Maxey here again with uh, with HomeMusicStudio1.com. Hopefully you've been having a good week. And uh, I want to start out today real quickly with just giving a shout out to uh, those of you that have just really been a, a major support and, uh, and, and as far as just downloading and interacting with me, uh, really our top uh, several countries, believe it or not, we've got several countries that are downloading these episodes. Of course, the United States, where I'm at in Michigan, uh, United Kingdom, uh, I've got a lot of downloads from the UK folks. And so, hey guys and gals, thank you very much for all your support. And then uh, locally here in the state, uh, just kind of scanning through, of course, where I'm at. I'm right in the center of Michigan, the capital of Michigan, Lansing. And uh, hey, guys, at home base here, I've got a lot of downloads right from this area. But from there, uh, we've kind of had a tie this week in downloads uh, from uh, over my, my friends in Seattle, Washington, as well as my friends in New York. And so thank you all for uh, all the downloads this week. Uh, much, much thank you. And uh, continue to give me your feedback. And, uh, you know, several of you have um, also begun to uh, just, uh, you know, post, uh, you know, one sentence reviews on iTunes as well as uh, in Twitter and some of those things. I, I really appreciate that as well. And uh, the latest review came from Jason uh, Rumley on, on iTunes there. Thank you very much, Jason, for your uh, great feedback as well. Uh, very much appreciative. And continue that, guys. Really helps me out a lot so that I can help you out better. Again, our goal and my purpose in all these podcasts is I don't want to help you uh, uh, develop the ability to record and produce professional quality projects on any size budget. That's really what I'm after. And so been doing this a long time, don't know everything, but hopefully the things that I do know uh, can be a help to you and, uh, and the rest we can learn together. And so with that, um, today's episode is a little bit different in that I want to ask, uh, I want to answer a question that was asked to me, and this is something that has actually come up on more than one occasion. And so um, I thought I'd take a little side journey from where I was going to go today and answer uh, this question dealing with lead vocals versus backing vocals, blending the two together, but yet still having a good separation so that your your backing vocals are not covering up your lead vocal line, but yet they're there to support it. And so I'm going to read an email to you. Uh, this is from Cole. Thanks a lot for sending this in, Cole. And uh, here's what he writes. Uh, Cole says, hi, Dave. Uh, for some reason, I find it hard to have strong and vibrant side backing vocals without competing with the lead. Even if it's a resung part that's panned to the left and right, it's still lost within the center channel. Is there a way to force it into the background? I keep seeing mid-side processing, and do you use this for backing vocals too? Do you have a process you use to follow? Again, thanks, Cole, for the question, and I want to address this question in this episode. Let me touch really quickly on one thing. Cole mentions right here mid-side processing. Uh, mid-side processing is uh, is the ability via plugins and, and a few other different methods to take a stereo signal 
and, uh, and, and separate that really kind of in three ways and process those independently from one another. The first way is to take a sum of the left and the right channels together and, and basically a mono, but the information that is in the left and the right channel, sum that together, and that's a mono uh, signal that can be processed independently from the outside left and right uh, channels themselves. And so it's kind of the ability to split that midside, the mid from the side of the, of the signal of a stereo signal. And so uh, honestly, Cole, that is kind of a, a whole new ball game. There's a lot of things that, uh, that kind of fall underneath that category and there's a lot of uses for that. But what I wanted to do today, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to go too far down that road as far as mid side processing, because that's kind of a whole podcast in itself. Uh, I want to just make this simple. Uh, I want to answer your question, Cole, because I, I've got this question a lot simply by showing you what it is that I do in order to create a, a good separation between the lead and the backing vocals. And so we've got a lot of work to do, and I want to jump right into that. And so here's what I want to begin to do. I'm going to show you a, a, a play a track for you that I played before. You've heard this little song. And, uh, and, and what I did here, uh, just for the sake of this demonstration, is I've added a couple of lead vocal lines to this track. And this is a full band mix. And by way of how this was recorded, um, I've got a laptop and a Scarlett uh, from Focusrite 2i2. And I recorded this lead vocal line directly through that uh, 2i2. I just plugged my uh, MXL 990S directly into the preamp right into my laptop. No other external processing when I recorded the lead vocal. And then I did the same exact thing on the backing vocal parts, but I used just a, a Shure 58, an SM58. And so uh, what you're going to hear, all the processing and everything that is done, I actually did in uh, in my DAW that I'm using, which is Sonar X2, just upgraded to X2 of uh, a producer, Sonar X2 producer. So um, the, all the plugins that I've used are relatively common, and so I'll, I'll get into that in just a little bit. So I want to play a little portion of this for you. I'll fade this in kind of in the, in the middle so we can hear what's going on with the vocals and uh, also the backing vocal parts. And then here's my goal today. I want to spend some time addressing what's happening first with the lead, and then uh, I'm going to put another episode out here, which should be out uh, roughly this uh, this week, uh, probably Saturday. I'll have the next episode out, and we're going to deal very specifically with the backing vocals and what's going on there. Now, uh, before I play this, the reason I want to start with the lead part first is because if you really want to make sure you've got good separation between your lead and your backing vocals, the most important piece to get right is the lead line. If you get the lead vocal right first between compression, EQ, and a few other tricks I'm going to show you that I use, uh, it, it makes it so much easier to have a good separation and have a nice fat backing vocal sound that'll surround that lead without covering it up. And so let me let you hear a portion of what we've got going on here, and then I'll break this down for you. Joy in my life, my everything Chosen by an ending grace Known by the one who has rescued me yeah. More than life, more than joy More than hope, more than peace 
All right, so what's going on in this track? Um, just by way of uh, explanation, we've got a, a lead line happening here. And uh, underneath that lead line, I've got a couple other parts that I'll explain here that I'm using to beef up that lead line. I've got um, one low octave that's part of the lead line, uh, exact same melody as the lead, but I did that. I recorded that um, as a, a an octave lower. And um, and from there, all my backing vocal parts are, I've got a nice high, kind of an alto higher harmony, a little bit of a tenor harmony in there. And uh, so between the octave low and the tenor and the alto line, they're kind of surrounding. That's everything that's happening in this mix that's surrounding that lead line. And uh, I'll, I'll explain exactly what's going on there. So what is happening with the lead in this thing? A few things that I do right off the bat when I'm addressing uh, my lead is the first thing I do is I always scrub the vocal track. I do this with all my tracks, but I'll, I'll record my mix and then I'll begin to look through and I'll take out parts that are unnecessary. If I've got uh, sections where the lead waited for the music to come where it came before the lead part came in, just simply chop those out and, and take the unneeded parts out. And then uh, secondly, I, I normalize that track. I, I do this with all my tracks to about negative three, negative two. Uh, if you've got a really lots of peaks and a lot of variance between quiet and loud spots, I'll normalize it to negative uh, three. If it's a little more balanced, I'll normalize it to negative two. And uh, I do that right off the bat. And then from there, the very first thing I insert into the chain is I do some light compression on the lead vocal line. Very important. And um, in this particular case, uh, I'm using uh, part of the, the Pro Channel uh, compressor that that came uh, with uh, it's it's an S type compressor that came with uh, X1 or X1 and X2 producer and sonar and so basically here's my my general settings I'm doing a four to one compression ratio and um, I've got my uh, threshold set to where at the loudest spot of that audio I'm knocking about four decibels off of the lead line I've got the attacks that you'll have to listen to your own track but I set that to where uh, I, I I sped the attack up I, I made it a little faster until I began to hear kind of the clarity of the vocal disappear, like the S's and the T's, and then I backed it up just a little bit. And so I got the attack set to where it's not so fast that it takes out the, the parts of the vocal pronunciation that makes it easy to understand, but it's not so slow that it's not doing anything. And then uh, my release function, I believe on this guy is set somewhere around, um, right now it's about 500, and right about 500 milliseconds, so a little bit longer on that, but each plugin reacts a little differently. That's just how this particular one works good and it, and it sounds good for me. So compression is the very first thing I do at that point. Now from there, um, I focus on EQ and EQ is uh, is hugely important on all of our mixes, but many times we we get so confused and and uh, here's the thing about EQ it can it can really add or it can really take away. Uh, you know if we get it wrong, uh, it, it creates huge problems. If we get some things right, it can be the difference of something very amateur sounding as compared to something very professional sounding. And so a couple guidelines with EQ because EQ is not a hard line rule. There is no hey just boost this two three four dB and you're good to go or cut this 10 dB and you're good to go. Now, we may have some common things, like a lot of times with vocals, you might use a 60, 80, 100 roll-off uh, on the hertz on the low side, you know, but but those are there's a few of those commonalities. But even then, at the end of the day, 
there's theory behind it. You got to understand what you're trying to accomplish. And I would encourage you to do this. Don't button mash. Now, what do I mean by that? When I was a kid, we used to have Nintendo and you'd come uh, over to, you know, you go to your friend's house, right? Or someone would come over to my house and you'd be playing like Contra, all right? Super Contra way back in the day or, or whatever. And, and you had practiced all the moves and you figured everything out and, and you could do all these different kicks with the controller by spinning it just right. And, and inevitably, you'd have your friend come over and they would just start mashing the buttons, okay? Just hitting them over and over and over and over. And initially, you're, you're still kicking their butt because you've practiced, right? But then all of a sudden, uh, they'll do this move. It's like a 10, 10 you know, super move and they just button mash. And for some reason, the controller picked it all up the right way and everything worked out and they just beat the daylights out of you by button mashing, okay? They landed on the right answer totally by accident, unable to reproduce it. Don't do that with EQ. Don't don't button mash. And what do I mean? I don't just start turning knobs and think it sounds good. Understand what you're doing. It, it, it can be a huge help, and it's paramount to uh, to kind of going from that amateur to professional. So here's a few guidelines with EQ. This applies to everything, but let me tailor it a little bit to the vocals. That uh, that 10 to 15k range is kind of the sparkle kind of that classy sound of the vocals. And uh, you, you, you get a little bit of that in there. And it's not so much about clarity um, as far as popping out from the mix. It just gives a nice sparkly um, sound to to most any vocal. And so I usually boost that on the top end, sometimes 3, 4 dB, but I'm listening to what's going on, sometimes more, sometimes less. But 10 to 15K is kind of that really high-end sparkle, okay? 4 to 5K dealing with vocals, that's where a lot of your clarity comes from. Four, five, six, uh, right around in that area. That's where a lot of your clarity is going to come from. So pay attention to that area. If you're having a hard time hearing a vocal, specifically a lead, uh, experiment with sweeping through that range, uh, maybe kind of boost about two, three dB and then begin to sweep through the four, five, six, seven, eight K and see if you don't, if you're not able to bring that vocal a little more out of your mix. You, you want to push that, but you want to be careful not to, to really kill it. Okay. Just enough to kind of give a little more clarity and allows you to understand a little more of the, the sibilances and, and what's happening as far as the, the pronunciation. So that's very helpful. The one to three K K range in vocals is where I see kind of, that's kind of the energy. That's kind of, that is the range that if you get that right, allows that vocal line to slice through the mix, particularly kind of in the 2K line on this particular track, right around two, two and a half K. Now, uh, be careful. I always say that uh, that, that range is kind of like a knife. You can use a good sharp knife to cut a steak and eat it and enjoy a good meal and, and just uh, have a great time. Uh, or you could take the same knife and stab it in the side of somebody's head. Uh, and, and trust me, that hurts. All right, bad news. So too much of, of the one to three range and really in that 2K, too much is bad news. It's very sharp. It's not pleasing at all, but use it in the right way and that'll keep your vocal popped right in the center of that mix right where it needs to be. Now, you've also got kind of the 250 to uh, right around the, the 600 range, a little lower than that, even in the 500 range. That's kind of the mud region of your vocals. And so pay attention to that area. 
If you've kind of got a lot of muddy sounding happening, cutting that area a little bit can kind of help pull you out of some problems there. And then even though a lot of times there there isn't really a lot of vocal information from kind of from that 150 down, uh, you know, some guys might disagree with me here, but a lot of times in the end result of my final mixes, even after I've cut some of that, I like to bring back sometimes between 100 to 200 hertz, sometimes a little more in that range, 234 dB sometimes can help bring a little more fatness back to that lead vocal. So that's kind of the things that I think about when I am addressing the lead vocal EQ wise, very important process that kind of in in the theology of it kind of the understanding of what are those things doing and experiment within your mix so when you're adjusting your eq don't just do it when you're when your mix is soloed on your lead vocal listen to that lead vocal within your mix and then begin to adjust your eq from there to kind of fine tune the second, uh, the ne- the next thing that i that i tend to look at from there when it comes to my lead vocal is the effects a few guidelines with effects. Uh, be careful. Too much effects will will create mud very very quickly and will make uh, a very good vocal line uh, begin to be get un- begin to get undistinguishable. And so, if you've got a lot of effects, you don't want that to compete with your lead vocal, but you want that to add to the overall feel of what's going on. And so, uh, some of the most two common effects are delays and reverbs. Okay, and you might have reasons for others, and that's fine. But when it comes to those effects, if you're using stereo. Uh, I like to encourage people to kind of keep keep those as far to the left and right as possible when it comes to stereo uh, stereo effects, and uh, that that a lot of times will keep your nice dry lead signal right in the center, and then you can push the delays to the left and the right uh, as hard out as you can go, as hard hard out is appropriate for your mix. Same with a stereo reverb. Uh, sometimes even using two mono effects and then panning a mono hard left and one hard right can get you the same result of keeping that nice dry signal right in the center. Now, uh, you might also have the need for using mono effects, and that's totally appropriate. Lots of lots of great spots for mono reverb, mono delays, echoes, that kind of thing. My only uh, my only encouragement there is when you're using mono and it's right in that same field, center pan wise as your lead, just be careful to maintain that it's underneath it. And a lot of times, um, knock the highs a little bit out of your reverbs. Make sure that you've got some kind of um, uh, you know high pass filter on there, low pass filter where you can control how much of that is happening. You don't want the decay to begin to compete with the same sibilances, the same power, the same um, clarity as what your lead vocal is. So too much is uh, is bad very quickly. Okay. Now here's a couple other tricks of some things that you're hearing in this mix. And I know I'm going quick. I'm just trying to cover a lot of information for you. And then uh, you might have to listen to this a piece at a time and kind of chew on it a little more. But uh, I'm using a very common technique uh, called vocal doubling. Okay. And all that means is I have got two tracks of this lead vocal line. Now, there's two ways to accomplish that. One, you could simply have your, your lead vocal just sing it again exactly the same try and match it as close to possible as the original and uh, and then you can process that in the way that I'm about to share with you or you could do what I did in this particular mix and that's just duplicate the lead track and um, there's really a couple of ways to achieve some similar results uh, and in this case uh, I took a, a lead double track let me let you hear uh, here's here's just all the the lead line with uh, the three things that I've got going on here, and I'll talk about the third one in a minute. But here's the lead line and the double line. Let me let you hear this, and uh, you can kind of hear exactly what's going on. This is just solo with those two spots. 
Known by the one who has rescued me, yeah, more than life. Okay, now you might think, well, I didn't hear anything different. Let me let you hear just the double lead spot. Um, here's just the doubled spot of the track. This is the duplicated track of the lead line. Here's what this sounds like. Known by the one who has rescued me. Now here's just the lead by itself. Known by the one who has rescued me. Yeah. Okay, now here's both of them together and they're blended together. Known by the one who has rescued me. Yeah. Now, again, what's important is what does that sound like within the mix? Within the mix, I'm taking those two tracks in the bottom line of what I'm doing with the second one, and there's several ways to accomplish this. I've got uh, I've got a few uh, plugins on here that allow me to kind of emulate tube saturation. So on the uh, the doubled spot of the lead, you kind of hear that gritty sound to it. What I've done is I've pulled out some of the highs so that it's a little more on the muddy side. I'm not after clarity. I'm after that mid-range, kind of that power range in there. And then I've dirtied it up a little bit by adding a little bit of grit kind of on the saturation in this, in this side. Um, you could do the same thing if you wanted, maybe even add a touch of distortion. You might think distortion on vocals. Uh, trust me, when it's blended in the mix, just a little bit of grit to it. Uh, let me let you listen to it again so you know what I'm, what I'm referring to. Known by the one who has rescued me. Okay. And what I really did to this track is that uh, I, I've got a nice peak on my EQ going between that 350 to 500 range. That's pushed. Everything else is tapered off. So uh, no lows, no highs, and, and it's it's sloped into that region. And uh, I'm, I'm using that to then, when I play these side by side, I bring that doubled lead in just enough to where it starts to give me a much fatter sound. You could do the same thing by using what's called parallel compression. Do the same thing that I just did, but rather than uh, uh, change the EQ, uh, compress the living daylights out of the, the second track, even a limiter, do like a 20 to one and, and just uh, squash it as far as the threshold, you know, is as much gain reduction as you can. You'll get some, you know, some grit into there and then blend that with your original lead sound. That's one way to really get a nice fat lead sound in there. Now, the other thing and, and kind of the last thing I'll mention that I also have added to this lead line is I have created an octave lead part. And uh, what I mean by that is I went through and I sang the lead part again, but I did it an octave lower than the original one. Now, this was relatively low. And so uh, in order to do that, rather than have that lower spot compete with the rest of the stuff, I took, I rolled off almost everything from about 220 or so um, off on the EQ. And um, from there, uh, I, I uh, actually had to use a little bit of auto-tune uh, just to make sure that the pitch was good and, and, and solid. And uh, let me let you hear exactly what uh, that sounds like within this mix, and then I'll let you hear it a little together. So here's the lead, the doubled lead, and then the, the lead octave line. Known by the one who has rescued me, yeah, more than life. More than joy, more than the very air that I breathe. Okay, now you might think, oh, that sounds kind of goofy. On its own, yeah. Uh, listen to the same thing within the mix again. Known by the one who has rescued me, yeah. More than life, more than joy, more than the very air. 
Okay, that's one of the ways we're using to really kind of get a little more support underneath that lead vocal because all of this occupies the center, right in the center of our stereo field. Very important. You get this right, and now you've got something to begin to build upon and begin to add your lead vo your your backing vocal lines to. And so I cannot stress this enough. Uh, if you want to really get a good lead that pops out of the mix that is supported by backing vocals, start by processing the lead right. Listen to it within the mix. Uh, make these adjustments that I just talked about and make sure you got a good solid fat lead sound and then bringing your backing vocals around that is so much easier and a lot easier to keep that separation but yet have them nice and balanced together so that they're complementing one another but all of it supporting the lead and so all I'm doing really with that octave is I'm kind of creating this this lo-fi sound to it and so it's really uh, it's it's lower pitch wise and then it's just kind of it's not really high quality quality. Let me let you hear it on its own because this is kind of how I EQ'd it. Um, here we go. This is just the octave lead spot. Known by the one who has rescued me. Boy, that sounds pretty funky just by itself. But um, I've used that and then I brought that just under within the mix to where you can just begin to, to know that it's there. And uh, that gives me a nice support base for the lead to set on top. And it kind of, it really, in my opinion, it's just one way to complement this. Now you might have a hundred other ways to do some of the very same things I just told you. That's completely okay. But in answer to your question, Cole, this is some of, these are some of the things that, uh, that I do in order to, uh, to keep this separation. And uh, honestly, there, there's more to this, but we just couldn't cover it all in one podcast. And so I'm going to release the very next podcast should be out Saturday. Uh, today is, uh, is, um, October 18th. And so this podcast will be out today. And then this very coming Saturday, I'm going to release part two. And I want to talk a little bit more about this very same idea, but we're going to deal specifically with the background vocals. And now how did I bring them into the rest of this mix and, uh, and make it all work together so they all have their distinct spots. So uh, with that, hey, thanks again for joining me to, today, guys. I uh, really appreciate your questions coming in. If you got more questions, send them in. If anything that I that I just talked about sparks a comment, please let me know. Uh, you can send an email to Dave at HomeMusicStudio1.com. You can also go to HomeMusicStudio1.com, click on the contact section. That'll get to me as well. Uh, and also, uh, love to continue to hear your feedback. Hey, if you're listening to this in iTunes, uh, in iTunes and, and this is something that you enjoy, why not uh, throw just a little one-line review down there so that other people know that uh, you know it might be worth checking out as well. And then also, um, if you really are, are into the information that I'm sharing and you'd like to continue to get more, I'd love to have you sign up for my newsletter. And uh, in order, to, if you sign up for that, it won't cost you a dime. I put a weekly newsletter out and I just send more information out and just kind of keep people updated on what's happening with the blog and the information and, and what's happening with new things that I'm working on as well. And uh, in exchange for doing that, I've got a free ebook that I love to get into your hands called Understanding Compression in the Home Music Studio. That's another question I get a lot of. And so if you'd like to uh, sign up for that newsletter and get that absolutely free ebook, won't cost you anything, won't send you any spam. I'm not into that. I hate spam myself. Uh, it's just a weekly newsletter that I send out along with that free ebook. Instant download. Head on over to homemusicstudio1.com slash free gift. And uh, I've got that available. I'll send you, uh, just send me your email. You can put that on that form and I'll bump that link out to you right away. 
with that, this is Dave Maxey with HomeMusicStudio1.com. Thanks a lot for joining me, and we will see you and talk to you in our next episode dealing with backing vocals and separation within the mix from the lead. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.